Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms of Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing okay, except I feel a little bit like I'm in the twilight zone because I am still on Halloween, and meanwhile, oh, girl. it's basically Thanksgiving already. Girl, so. <laughs> we have to move beyond that. <laughs> I just feel like I blinked, and I really... like truly am flabbergasted with like how fast this month has gone. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. I feel like I just have no idea how we got how we got here. (laughs) How did we get here? Last year, I got a word of a day calendar. And this year, I might get you just a calendar. Just a calendar. (laughs) Yeah. Watch the days go by. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know if that would help me, though. That's the thing. I feel like I look at the calendar pretty often. But I guess it just registered that we are really, truly Almost at Thanksgiving, and I'm super excited about that because I love spending time with my family and eating a lot of good food. So definitely one of my favorite holidays. Melissa, are you looking forward to the holiday? I am so much. I love the food, love any chance I get to pop out a can of uh, cranberry sauce, and no one can say anything to me about it when I pull it out. I feel like you've earned it. You just can have that now. No one fights you on that anymore. That's your thing. They don't. It is. It's part of my personality and people (laughs) (laughs) that love me accept me for my can of cranberry sauce. But if you go somewhere, I bring my own because you just never want to show up somewhere 
not empty handed, but like if I show up somewhere <laughs> and they don't have it, it's like Thanksgiving's ruined. Yeah. Well, okay. But if your version of showing up not empty handed is bringing canned cranberry sauce for yourself, is that is well, that I mean, I'm mean? saying in addition, if oh. I was like, I'm bringing this, this, and this, like I will be bringing a can of cranberry sauce that's not on my list, All right. but I can't, you can't be trusted to provide me for what I am accustomed to and what I deserve. Let's be honest. I deserve a 79 cent can. <laughs> yes. Well, you and your 79 cent can of cranberry sauce both have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Before we get into the episode this week, we're just going to remind you guys that we are taking off um, a week, the week of Thanksgiving, to spend time with our families, and we always do every year. So it is not surprising to anybody who has listened to us. We have our week off. Yeah. So we'll be off on the 23rd, which is the week of Thanksgiving, and we'll be back the following week on November 30th. Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. All right. So if there's one thing that this podcast has taught me, it's that being rich sounds a lot more fun than it is, and it actually can be pretty terrifying. You know, sure, you might want for nothing and even have enough to share with others, but money really seems to put a target on people's backs more than just about anything else that we talk about on the show. But the target on their backs doesn't always have to be death. We've heard several stories where a wealthy person or even an entire family is taken advantage of and milked for all they have. And when you throw celebrity status or other high-profile characteristics into the mix, the target gets even bigger. I would be willing to wager that there probably isn't anyone listening to this show that hasn't heard of the brand L'Oreal. They're the second largest cosmetics company worldwide, with Procter & Gamble being the only company bigger than them. There's even a pretty decent chance that you have a L'Oreal product in your house right this minute. They make pretty much everything beauty and cosmetics, including makeup, hair care products, hair color, skincare, and anti-aging products. And within those categories, they have everything you could ever want for your personal care needs. Something you probably haven't thought much about, though, is how this company grew into what it is today. And you may not have even known that the heiress to the company was at the center of a possible scandal that spanned over two decades. Questions actually remain over whether or not Lillian Betancourt was swindled out of over a billion dollars or whether she generously gifted over a billion dollars to a man named Francois-Marie Beignier after befriending him way back in 1987. But before we get into that, first, let us tell you a little about the history of the company L'Oreal and how Lillian Betancourt became the richest woman in the world. Back in 1907, a talented young chemist by the name of Eugene Schuler was whipping up concoctions in his apartment kitchen in Paris when he created a hair dye that would, for him, literally be life-changing. He called his new product Ariel. Again, this is a French episode, and right. <laughs> so if you speak French, have heard French, uh, eat French fries, this might be hard on your ears. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to do our best. <laughs> So up until this point, women were only able to dye their hair either black or red with natural dyes. But Eugene figured out a way to create a swath of different colors, and his innovation really became this huge sensation. Two years later, in 1909, after seeing much success with his formula, Eugene started the company that grew into the mega brand that we now know and recognize as L'Oreal. But Eugene wasn't just known for founding what became the largest cosmetics company in the world at one time, he was also known for something else, and that is being a Nazi sympathizer. These are two very different things to be known for. <laughs> right? That's like two, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. 
So in the 1930s, he joined a fascist group whose name translated to the hood, and their objective was to replace the French government with a dictatorship modeled after Germany. This particular group was the cause of a lot of violent crime in France, including a bombing and assassinations. Eugene may not have been involved in those particular crimes, but he did give the group money and office space in his L'Oreal offices. Yeah. Eugene also bought property in Germany that had been seized from Jewish people in 1938, and that property later became the headquarters for L'Oreal in Germany. Wow, wow, wow. This is some crazy history of L'Oreal, though, that like I really did not know. I had no clue, and I guess no one ever would unless you just took a particular interest to the company and looked it all up yourself, but this was like, oh my gosh, I was just very fascinated by all of this. Yeah. So at some point, Eugene meets and marries this woman named Louise, and the two had a daughter that was born in Paris, an only child that they named Liliane Henriette Charlotte Schuler. Liliane was born on October 21st, 1922, and sadly, her mother Louise passed away when Liliane was just five years old. The death of her mother led Liliane to become very close with her father, Eugene, who took her along to his office and to his many factories. Lillian grew up to be very privileged. They had servants and tutors, multiple residences, including huge apartments and homes that were overlooking the ocean, fancy cars, and so much more. They were really living in the lap of luxury. In 1950, Lillian, who had grown up in Nazi circles, married a Nazi sympathizer, just like her father, a man by the name of Andre Betancourt. He was actually in the same fascist group that Lillian's father had been a member of, and he also wrote 60 anti-Semitic articles for a pro-Nazi newspaper. My goodness. However, Andre later had a change of heart, and towards the end of World War II, he switched sides and joined the anti-German resistance. Hmm. In 1953, Lillian and Andre welcomed a little girl who they named Francoise. But motherhood wasn't something that Lillian really embraced. She and Andre had a vision for their child, and when it turned out that Francoise wasn't living up to their vision, the relationship between them became strained. The Betancourt spent a great deal of effort lavishing this little girl and wanting her to love being lavish. They wanted her to love the life that they were providing for her, having all of this wealth. But Francoise just really was not into it. She preferred a quieter lifestyle. She enjoyed reading books and practicing the piano, and she loved to learn. The older the little girl got, the less Lillian seemed to even really like her, which is so sad to say about her own, to, you know, that we're saying this about her own right. child. But it was almost as if Lillian just couldn't understand or really grasp how her daughter could possibly choose these boring things like reading and learning over this life of complete opulence that they were trying to give her. Lillian once even described Francoise as being heavy and slow and said that she was always, quote, one lap behind her. Oof. Yeah, it's just terrible. So Francoise eventually turned out to be completely different than her family in every way, which, no surprise, it seems like she pretty much was from the day she was born. So she actually broke the pro-Nazi streak in her family and married the grandson of a rabbi killed at Auschwitz, and she also converted to Judaism and then raised her own two sons in the Jewish faith. So she really went the opposite direction as her family. Oh, yeah. While her boys were growing up, her father, Andre, served in multiple presidential cabinets between 1954 and 1973. And in 1986, he was even considered for prime minister. 
He had actually joined his wife Lillian's family business as a member of L'Oreal's executive team at one point, but he resigned from that position in 1994 after he was exposed for his previous pro-Nazi ways. So Andre actually, when, you know, they started coming for him about this, about his past and the things that he was involved in and that he was in support of, you know, back at that time, and he owned up to his wrongdoing and he apologized and said that it was a mistake of his youth and he tried to make good on it by later joining the resistance. Lillian and Andre had a long history of supporting conservative governments and they donated frequently to right-wing campaigns, but they also donated millions of dollars to other important fields, including education, medical research, humanitarian projects, museums, and the arts. In 1957, Lillian's father, the founder of L'Oreal, died and he left Lillian with billions and all of his controlling shares of L'Oreal, about a third of the company. She became a director of the company, but she wasn't very involved in the business aspect after her father's passing. She just let others take care of growing and expanding the brand for her, which I guess I understand if you are not a business person and you really have this thrown into your lap and you're like, I have no idea what to do with a company like L'Oreal. What am I supposed to do with this? Right. So I can see how she would kind of hand the reins over to people who knew what they were doing. Yeah. That was probably very smart. Yeah. (laughs) So throughout her adulthood, Lillian continued to live a life full of luxurious things. According to the New York Times, her principal home was an art modern mansion behind cream walls and towering pines, and it was filled with, quote, antique treasures and paintings by Monet, Matisse, Picasso, and Mondrain. So an art, yeah, that's what they called it, an art (laughs) modern mansion. So yes, exactly what it sounds like. Um, So they also wrote that Lillian owned properties in several countries, as well as yachts in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, and an island in the Seychelles. In 1987, the billionaire heiress was scheduled for a photo shoot for a French magazine. A very accomplished photographer was to take the photos of the 65-year-old woman. Francois-Marie Benier had met Lillian years prior in 1969 at a dinner party, but the two hadn't worked together before. Francois was not just a renowned photographer, but he was also a talented writer and artist. After this photo shoot, Lillian and Francois became friends. Somewhat unlikely friends, but friends nonetheless. Francois took Lillian to art shows, theaters, and museums, and introduced her to many artists and actors, all of which was really exciting to Lillian because she had always loved this life of extravagance. So the two became so close that some said that it seemed like Lillian had actually fallen in love with him. But Francois was actually gay, so there was never any physical or romantic relationship there. He said the two were just platonic friends. But there was this letter that was written by Lillian to Francois in 2008 that suggests that she did believe there was more to it than that. She wrote, quote, With you, I am like a mother, a lover. All the feelings pass through me. It makes me tremble. That whole blurb just makes my head hurt. I don't understand what she's conveying there. I guess I just don't understand. I really truly do not understand what she felt for him. I apparently do not understand the ways of the flesh. Mandy, (laughs) I cannot believe you made me read the tremble line. (laughs) When I saw this coming, I was like, you know what? (laughs) How dare you? Um, But what Lillian might not have been aware of is that she wasn't the first rich or famous person that Francois had befriended over the years. He was actually sort of known for this thing. He had this ability to approach the unapproachable, and he managed to befriend people who are ordinarily very closed off. 
His personality was very strong. He comes across as very assertive, almost domineering, and he often would just tell it like it was. He said whatever he wanted to, to whoever he wanted to. He didn't care if you're the most powerful man or woman in the world. He would ask questions and tell you his thoughts, even if no one else would even dare to ask them, which I feel like is why these people in power and stuff are attracted to this because it's like everyone else is probably their yes men. Yeah. You know, like always like whatever. Yeah. Oh, the great idea. Great idea. Great idea. And he's just telling them how it is. And so I can see how somebody in that position who hasn't been told the truth maybe in years would really be attracted to something like that. Right. So this guy, Francois, he was born June 27th, 1947, making him 25 years younger than Lillianne. But he had already made a name for himself in France with his various arts. His mother was a French-Italian and his father was Jewish, which was a secret that was actually kept from Francois for most of his life. His father was abusive and his mom was never around, which led to a very tumultuous childhood that eventually led to Francois attempting suicide at age 15. This unfortunate upbringing, of course, had major influence on who he turned out to be as an adult. Since his parents both wanted nothing to do with him, he started to seek out these parental bonds with older people, always trying to find himself a family, which is terribly sad when you yeah. think about somebody in that position just trying to find somebody to kind of fill that void that they missed out on literally as a child which is really heartbreaking to think about yeah so as we said francois was gifted when it came to befriending people who had a lot of money or a lot of influence at the age of 15 he introduced himself to salvador dali and they became close friends he was also friends with Picasso and even comforted Picasso's wife when Picasso passed away in 1973. By age 20, Francois had landed a job running the press office of Pierre Cardin, who was the hottest designer in the world at the time. I am not a fashionista. I don't even know this name. How about you, Melissa? Do you have any Cardin pieces in your um, closet? I'm a TJ Maxinista, so no, I am not aware. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know who this guy is, but um, maybe somebody listening does. Um, but it was while working for Cardin that Francois began taking photographs, and it was something that he turned out to be very, very good at, and his career as a photographer was really kicked off at this point. One of his very first subjects was actually Truman Capote. In the 70s and 80s, Francois had connections with many prolific fashion designers and musicians and considered classical pianist Vladimir Horowitz to be his real father. And when it came to who he considered to be, quote, literally his brother, well, that was none other than Johnny Depp. What is happening? Bet you didn't see that one in coming. <laughs> I have never heard such a, a I would not believe somebody if they told me this. This is it's so many things. And how have I never heard of these people? Like, how have I never heard of this guy with all the connections that he had and everything that he was involved in? It's just crazy that I have never heard of this story and I didn't no. know anything about any of this. Yeah, interestingly enough, Francois is actually the godfather of Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose, which I, <laughs> I just feel like we're in an alternate reality. A hundred percent. And lastly, Francois was also friends with the former empress of Iran, Farah Pavlavi, as well as being close to the former president of France, 
also Francois Mitterrand. They traveled all over together, including a trip where they stayed with Queen Elizabeth for three days in 1992. And during this trip, Francois was lucky enough to have the privilege of taking many, many photos of the queen. What an experience um, that this guy kind of just fell into with. I would buy his book. His per- yeah. Just write anything. Definitely. Yeah, I would completely definitely. interesting. Yeah, for sure. I want to know everything about him. Um, so as you can see, he was very skilled at getting himself into the good graces of some very influential people. So it wasn't long before he also had Lillian Betancourt believing that they were also the best of friends. And we're going to get into so much more of this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I am a lot of things, but one of my favorite things is that I am super. Oh, sorry, I read that wrong. I am a super organism. In fact, we all are. We are made up of 38 trillion microbes living in and on our body, and they work symbiotically with our human cells. And the best way to nurture your unseen inner world is with Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic. In the last few years, we've all heard the word probiotic thrown around a lot when discussing gut immune function in particular. Seeds Daily Symbiotic does so much more than that as a broad-spectrum, two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. Their proprietary engineered two-in-one capsule protects probiotics through digestion to ensure its delivery to the colon. I've wanted to start a probiotic for a while, but I really wasn't sure what to try or where to start, but I was quickly sold on the Daily Symbiotic, and that's because it supports benefits in and beyond the gut, including GI function, skin health, heart health, plus micronutrient synthesis. In the last few years, I've been dealing with a lot of bloating, even after changes in my diet, and it really causes me a lot of discomfort. And just about a week into using seed, and I'm already feeling regular and ease of bloating. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash moms and use code moms to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash moms and use code moms. Last week, we had no adult's favorite day of the year, daylight saving. I don't know about you, but my kids and dog absolutely do not respect the time change, and normally I'm really struggling with it as well. But thanks to my sleep number bed, even the time change can't mess up my quality sleep. We got our sleep number beds earlier this year, and I still get so excited to hop in my bed and go to sleep. I'm pretty consistent at my sleep number of a 30, but I've been known to go down to a 20 or up to a 50, depending on how I'm feeling that day. I love the customization abilities with sleep number and how easy it was from start to finish to pick our bed, order it, and have it delivered. We spend so much of our lives in bed. It's important to use it to our advantage and help rest our bodies as well as helping to give us a boost of energy and overall well-being. And I can do that with my sleep number bed. My sleep number ranges between a 25 to a 30, depending on my mood and what kind of day I've had. But I love that I can make those changes with the click of a button, all from the comfort of my sleep number bed. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local sleep number store or sleepnumber.com slash moms. Sleep number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about Lillian Betancourt and who she was. She was the heir to the globally known cosmetics giant L'Oreal. She was the daughter of a Nazi sympathizer and married to a reformed Nazi sympathizer who also happened to hold many political offices. Lillian had, at this point in the story, met this young photographer named Francois, a man who had worked his way into the lives of numerous influential people and even named the godfather of Johnny Depp's daughter, which is still blowing my mind even (laughs) after this break. But when Francois set his sights on this friendship with the much older Lillian Betancourt, the richest woman in the world, 
Well, some eyebrows were raised. So as you can imagine, there have been plenty of speculation over why Francois and Lillian became such close friends. It's easy to see how some could think that Francois was using Lillian, but others believe that they were really kind of using each other in their own ways. Francois was sympathetic towards Lillian, who, despite being immensely wealthy, was also immensely unhappy and unfulfilled, and he made it his personal mission to open new doors for her and to help her find joy in something other than L'Oreal. But on the other hand, Lillian was very demanding of his time, and although she gave him these monetary gifts, there was definitely a caveat she would tell him what to spend the money on. Remember, Francois did not have loving parents when he was being raised, and so he was drawn to older people to kind of fill in those voids for him. So when Lillian was essentially giving him an allowance and keeping tabs on him, he sort of felt like it was motherly. In 1991, Lillian gave Francois the first of many large checks that she would give him, but this one was for 250,000 francs or $46,000. The money was for Francois to use to put together a photo book titled Photographies, which Original. I feel like we could have done better with right. the name, but okay. Um, it would go along with an art exhibit that he put on before at France's leading contemporary art museum. His exhibit was a retrospective of 100 celebrity photos that Francois had taken over his 25-year career. This exhibit was hugely successful. 20,000 people attended every single day for two months. What? Oh my gosh. I want to see these photos. Yeah. I know. I know. Me too. But like this guy is already a name. You know what I mean? Like right. he's he, already made a name for himself. Right. I kind of think that throughout this whole story, like he's already a somebody, you know, in, in this world. So the photo book that Lillian funded actually was a good investment. It was very successful and actually became a collector's item. So sorry, Mandy, probably won't get your hands on that. <laughs> Maybe I can just look at a copy. If anybody out there has a copy, I can just borrow. <laughs> I know. In 2002, Lillian had two 10-year contracts drawn up stating that Francois would be paid $900,000 a year by L'Oreal for his services as a quote-unquote creative consultant, which entailed putting together an annual exhibition of his photos. Lillian and Andre traveled all around the world to attend Francois' exhibits. By 2007, Lillian had given Francois a ton of money, expensive art pieces by Picasso and Matisse, seven different life insurance payouts upon her death, and a 670-acre island in the Seychelles. All told, it was estimated that Lillian had gifted Francois with at least 950 million euros, or 1.35 billion U.S. dollars worth of items. Oh my goodness. An island, Mandy. An island. They just don't make friends like that these days. <laughs> I would be offended, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> So to put this into context, if you can even believe this, a billion dollars was really nothing to Lillian. The rest of us peasants can't fathom having this kind of cash laying around, but Lillian had that and so much more. In 2017, she was the richest woman in the world. Her net worth was estimated to be about $39.5 billion. So giving Francois $1.35 billion would be the same as if I were to have $40 and give you $1. Not really a big deal to me at that scale. 
So that's what this was to Lillianne to give, wow. you know, to be gifting $1.3 billion. Like that's like giving a dollar, you know, to somebody, to her. That's not a big deal. There was some speculation though and concern that perhaps Francois was merely taking advantage of the situation by accepting these very generous gifts from Lillianne. But a longtime friend of Francois named Diane had a little bit of a different take on things. She later told Vanity Fair that the relationship between Francois and Lillianne was best described as a love friendship. So she said that Lillianne really liked Francois and wanted to help him, but it wasn't as though she was a sugar mama or anything like that. It was just they were both two mature adults in a very loving friendship. So Diane further said that if Francois was manipulating Lillianne, then she was also manipulating him. She said they were both very mischievous and teased each other in kind of this tongue-in-cheek way and that, you know, Lillianne was far from being a victim. She was very well-informed, she was sharp, and she knew what was going on around her. And as we said before, it was also well known that even though Lillian had all of this wealth, she always was a little bit unsettled and seemed to be searching for something more, something deeper in her life. Francois had just the type of outgoing personality that Lillian was drawn to, and she found him incredibly fun to be around. And for the first time in a long time, Lillian was having a blast and she was loving these new experiences that she was getting thanks to Francois. But... As we said, not everybody thought that his intentions were so pure. Lillian's maids, butlers, doctors, and others said that Francois was just manipulating an over-medicated old woman. As for what Lillian's husband thought about this whole relationship, you know, that he, she has going on with this peculiar young man, he was kind of indifferent about it. He allowed it to carry on because he was really focused on his own personal and professional interests. But keep in mind, Andre was there for many travels with Lillian and Francois. They all kind of traveled together. So you can assume that there was some kind of relationship right. between Andre and Francois, even if they didn't have anything super close. I assume that they had some, you know, kind of relationship. Maybe just a friendship and not a loving friendship. Right. Maybe just a run-of-the-mill friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so while Lillian and Andre were busy entertaining Francois, their own daughter, also a variation of this name, if you caught that from the beginning, her name was Francoise. Melissa looked up the pronunciations between these two I don't want to be versions. thrown under the bus for this. Yeah. So we really, truly don't know how to differentiate the two. They both kind of have a very similar name. So their daughter, Francoise, was denied, you know, their affection and praise all while they are having this new relationship, whatever it is, um, with this new guy. So as we said before, their daughter was a lot different than her parents, and she just didn't enjoy the same lavish lifestyle that they wanted to live. But it wasn't until the summer of 1993 that Lillian and Andre's daughter really started to dislike her replacement. So during a family luncheon, the young photographer said some hateful and humiliating things to Andre, which came as a shock to his daughter, Francois, and to her husband, who was also there. And they felt that from this moment, there was no way they were going to be able to get along with or trust this man, and they didn't even want to be around him. From that point on, the relationship between Francoise and her parents started to deteriorate slowly over time. It was after this incident that Lillian and Andre started seeing less and less of their daughter and spending more time with Francois, new Francois, and that is until 2007 when Andre passed away at the age of 88. 
After Andre's passing, multiple members of Lillian's staff told her daughter about their concerns that Francois was taking advantage of and even preying on her mom. Lillian's accountant said that Francois was currently trying to persuade Lillian to hand over her large jewelry collection that she kept in the bank vault. The accountant, named Claire, told Lillian that this was a terrible idea. So Francois retaliated by accusing her of stealing the jewelry and then trying to cover it up. In another instance, one of Lillian's servants learned that there was talk about Lillian legally adopting Francois and making him her legal heir. What? Oh my gosh. I have, I guess, heard of people adopting adults. Yes. But... I never, I mean, I guess, and sometimes I understand it in certain situations, for sure. I feel like there is a time and a place, but this I don't think is it. If I remember correctly, Anna Nicole Smith tried to get <laughs> Zsa Zsa Gabor's ex-husband to adopt her. Something like that. It's very complicated. But yeah, it was it was a similar situation, at least perceived to be in a similar right. situation. There was a lot of money involved. So obviously, when Lillian's daughter got wind of this, she was like, hang on, absolutely not. Her daughter was already feeling uneasy about this relationship that her mom had with Francois, but this adoption talk was just too much, especially after Andre's dead. Like, why wouldn't they have done right. this whenever he exactly. was still around? It, it's it's a little strange. So she files a criminal complaint alleging that Francois had swindled Lillian out of at least 950 million euros worth of cash, life insurance annuities, art, and that freaking island that she has. So she alleged that Francois had manipulated her mom, Lillian, for financial gain and further asserted that she should be the one in control of her mother's finances because clearly she wasn't responsible enough to be in charge of them herself. Okay, here comes the sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's coming. An investigation into Lillian and her finances was launched, and at first the police seemed to just be investigating the money that Lillian had given to or spent on Francois. But as they started digging, they realized there was actually many other people who potentially were taking advantage of her. As it turned out, Lillian was heavily medicated, taking several prescriptions each day, and by several, we mean 56 different pills. How many pill a day containers do you need to take that much? I honestly have no idea how you keep track of that. That is a lot of medications. I can't even do that. Like, just physically, I would not be able to take that many pills. That's you couldn't take them at one time. You have to break them up. I, I just, I don't know how you could. Every that's, hour? To an hour? Yeah, but that's also heartbreaking to me, thinking of somebody it having is. to do that. Yeah. So these medications were prescribed by 15 different doctors, and it was theorized that Lillian was over-medicated and therefore easy to take advantage of. Finally, the police decide to confront Lillian about all this and hear what she has to say. So Lillian told the police that she was well aware that she'd given Francois all of those things and that she'd done so willingly, but she did say she did not wish to adopt him. Lillian then refused to undergo mental examinations, and these mental exams would really help doctors decide if Lillian's daughter should be in control of her finances. Lillian was not a fan of this possibility. She did not want her daughter to be in charge of anything. This is sounds very much like a conservatorship situation right. they're trying to get in place over there. Yeah, and it's so hard because she and i understand why she is like i'm not going to get these mental evaluations like if she's fighting this and is like no why would she want to aid them in building a case against her you know so i can see why she is like no i don't need a mental exam i'm like this is my money and i if i was her also i would be upset with my family for putting me through this 
Yeah. In no, a way. I, get that. I mean, I understand if you are being taken advantage of, yes. But if she's actually saying, no, I gave this, you know, I, I feel like it's one thing when somebody's being taken advantage of and like they are helpless and feel like they can't do anything about it. But if they're if she's saying, yeah, I know I gave him these things and I am fine with it. What really can you do? At what point is it just not your place to continue stepping in, you know? Right, right. So Lillian was so offended at the notion that they thought she wasn't bright enough to know her own good that she actually fired all the staff members that had told her daughter that Francois was predatory, although she ended up giving them very hefty severance packages. So when the media got a hold of this very salacious story, it really took off. The press referred to Francois as a gigolo. They questioned Lillian's sanity, and they brought up whether or not Lillian's daughter, Francoise, had any ulterior motives herself. In his own defense, Francois said that he was absolutely not a gigolo. Okay, check that off the list. He's not a gigolo. (laughs) And that he was just a genuine good friend of Lillian's, and they had been friends for a lot of years. He said everything that she gave him was done so willingly, often despite his protests to accept these gifts. He even appeared emotionally wounded over being looked at, you know, in the public eye as this con artist instead of as what he thought of himself, you know, as somebody who positively had impacted Lillian's life by opening her up to all these different opportunities over the years. Lillian herself also, as we said, adamantly denied that she was being taken advantage of by him. She told the media that her daughter was stirring the pot and trying to cause trouble, and she said that she was capable of making her own decisions. Lillian continued her friendship with Francois for the next several years, despite her daughter's wishes. Her daughter said that she only cared about her mom, though, and she just didn't want to see her being taken advantage of. And she said she didn't have any motive to take anything away from her mom or to upset her. Because Lillian's own daughter had filed a criminal complaint against Francois, their already struggling relationship became completely estranged. Every now and then, Lillian and her daughter would have to see each other to deal with a legal matter, but Lillian pretty much wrote her off and never forgave her for this. Lillian even told an interviewer once, quote, I don't see my daughter anymore and I don't wish to. For me, my daughter has become something inert. End quote. Man. Yeah, that just hurts. So it's interesting to note that in France... Wealthy people are really not flashy, and they keep their personal business very private and very guarded. And the general consensus among those who knew Lillian and and the family was that her daughter had no business filing this complaint against Francois, and that having that kind of drama out there tarnishing the family name was just extremely embarrassing for Lillian. A lot of people really agree with that take, and they thought it was messed up that her daughter did this to her. And at this point, Lillian is really old. She's very ill. As we said, she's on multiple medications. She's already old, frail, sick. And a lot of people really thought that her daughter, Francoise, had just really no place doing this and to drag her mom through this and to put their family out there like this in the media. So that's another interesting kind of just something to think about in this story. So not only did filing this complaint cause an even bigger rift between Lillian and her daughter, there was also some unintended consequences as well. Lillian's daughter actually opened a bigger can of worms, which later came to be known as the Betancourt Affair, which is described by Vanity Fair as being a, quote, familial, financial, political scandal, end quote. The family's darkest secrets were now being brought to light, leaving the future of L'Oreal a mystery. 
Some members of the press dug up the information about the family's past, including all of the Nazi sympathizer stuff that we talked about in the beginning of the episode. It was what Vanity Fair called a public relations disaster for L'Oreal, who was stuck trying to explain why Lillian's father and husband were both on the side of the Nazis in the past. Around this time, the press started making other wild speculations that L'Oreal was going to up and move their headquarters to Switzerland to be with Nestle, who at the time owned just a bit under 30% of L'Oreal. If L'Oreal left France, it would be a huge deal. They were an incredible moneymaker and job supplier in the country, employing 64,000 people and generating $22.3 billion in annual revenue. People were rightfully concerned about this prospect that they'd leave and just go to Switzerland. But Lillian always said that she would never move the company out of France as long as she was alive. The issue was that people worried that Lillian would be found incompetent and then whoever her guardian was would ultimately sell Lillian's 30% stake to Nestle, causing the company to move. But thankfully, this never happened. And then things took a surprising turn when a former butler of Lillian's named Pascal came forward with 28 hours of recorded conversation that he'd secretly obtained from May 2009 to May 2010. In these tapes, Lillian can be heard talking with Francois and her legal advisors about many, many things that were not really legal, things like tax evasion, having $98 million in Swiss bank accounts, and various political contacts that she had. This is such a juicy story. <laughs> it is. You know what I really love? The butler is the one to be yeah, sitting on this tape. Yeah, secret Butlers tapes. know it all. Oh my gosh, there's mm-hmm. everything in this story. Yeah. <laughs> so on these tapes, it sounded at times, though, like Lillian was confused or maybe forgetful. And one time she said she wasn't even sure if she had gifted the island to Francois. She did not remember gifting an island oh to Francois. That's 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 not like, where did I put my keys? Right. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? It's like, did I give this human an island? Not sure. That's a lot. So we still have more to get into the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. So if you remember the anticipation of waiting all week to watch the TGIF lineup on Friday nights, then this message is for you. We're getting older and so is our skin. I've reached the age now where I'm getting those fine lines around my eyes and dark spots on my forehead. But now, thanks to agency, I can take care of my mature skin in a way that's actually designed especially for me. To get started, I simply went to the agency site and uploaded photos of my face and told them a little about my concerns. My skin has been a lot drier in recent years, and I'm noticing more and more of those thin lines creeping up. After that, agency matched me with a licensed dermatology provider who created a custom formula that contains research-backed ingredients. What I really love about agency is that this relationship with your licensed dermatology provider doesn't end there. They actually check in with you to make sure you're still happy with your formula. After my first round, I felt like my skin was still a little too dry, so when my licensed dermatology provider checked in, I mentioned that, and then she added provitamin B5 to my next shipment to help soothe and hydrate my skin, and it did just that. Do what I did and try out Agency, the personalized anti-aging skincare that evolves with you. Go to withagency.com moms for a free 30-day trial. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and handling. That's withagency.com moms to unlock your free 30-day trial. See withagency.com for all the details, subject to consultation. The holidays are upon us, which means it's an all-out foodapalooza. Everywhere I go, everywhere I turn, there is a dessert with my name on it. 
And guess what? I'm going to eat them and have zero guilt about it, which is why I love Noom. Noom is a psychology-based approach to food that helps you look at what you eat and how you eat. So there's no good food or bad food. It's just food. My goal with Noom is simply to be healthy and to feel better. And Noom helps me do just that. There are a million lose weight quick programs. And this time of year, those can be especially aggressive. But why cram your life into someone else's idea of health when you can try Noom? Noom wants to help you find a healthier balance that's moldable to your life. And when you can make it work for you, you're more likely to be able to sustain it. The thing I love most about Noom is that it isn't an all or nothing approach. Believe me, I've tried those all my life and they've never worked. With Noom, if there's dessert, I eat it. I might not eat a giant slice of cake, but I will eat some. And if I do want the giant slice of cake, well, YOLO. I'll just balance out the rest of my meal a little bit better. Noom has helped me find balance in my food and makes me feel empowered to eat well instead of stressed from what other programs would call failures. I just give Noom 10 minutes a day for a check-in and to find encouragement and motivation to keep going to be the healthiest me I can be for myself and my family. Start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash moms. Again, sign up for your trial at noom.com slash moms. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we left off after explaining more details of the friendship between Lillian and Francois and how Lillian had given this man over 950 billion euros worth of cash and assets 
over their several years long friendship. Melissa, you haven't given me near 950 billion euros. I want a oh, refund. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you want a refund? Good luck. <laughs> I'll take it out of what you've given me. <laughs> yeah. So Lillian's daughter, also named Francoise, became increasingly concerned that her mother was being taken advantage of. So she filed this criminal complaint against Francois Barnier and set off this investigation that would uncover so much more than anybody bargained for. After investigators learned about the secret tapes and realized that Lillianne may have been involved in a few white-collar crimes of her own, they knew they had to figure out who owned this island in the Seychelles so they could make sure that whoever owned it was paying taxes or had paid the taxes on the island. Interesting predicament they found themselves in here. Right. So they learned that the island had actually been sold in 2006 to a foundation that Francois and two medical associations were the beneficiaries of. When Francois was questioned about this, he said, quote, I detest this island. It is full of mosquitoes. It is tiny and it's very humid. On top of all that, there are sharks. I hate islands, end quote. So I guess the idea is that she gave him the island and he then sold the island, which I guess is his prerogative if it was his. To be honest, this sounds like something on Naked and Afraid where they would just drop you off. Like in my head, when I hear an island, I think like something beautiful and, you know, special drinks being poured and gorgeous water and stuff. And this guy's like, there's mosquitoes. It's humid. There's sharks. Right. <laughs> like whenever I picture that, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to be on the naked right. and afraid island. I get yeah. it. I well, can see how you'd be quick to sell this one. Yeah, yeah. And, and the idea of even owning an island, like it does sound really fancy and like luxurious and stuff, but like it's an uninhabited island. There's no like electricity or running water there's right. nothing there like it's just there's no chilies to yeah. go sitting on there waiting for exactly you. how exciting can it really be okay unless you're going to like put civilization on that island like what right. else is that you know what else are you going to do with it really so these tapes also made it very obvious that francois wasn't the only one taking advantage of lillian in some way her attorney was also found to have talked her into investing 143 million euros in an online gambling company, and her wealth attorney, of all people, talked her into giving him 12 million euros. What a nice guy. I know. that. I feel like wealth attorney would be the one I would have trusted right. in this whole situation. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I was saying in the beginning about like being rich sounds great until you realize that like gosh, these people really can't trust anyone. Like they have right. their own attorneys taking advantage of them. That's like, I can't even imagine being at that level of wealth where I had to even worry about just like, even the people you're paying to see to it that you are, you know. That you're not being taken exactly. advantage of. Exactly. Like there's yeah. just no one that you can really trust when you are this wealthy. There's everybody just wants their hand in your pockets. It seems like it's just crazy and sad and terrible. So back to these recorded conversations, though, the way that they even came about in the first place, the way that Pascal got them was really a little bit sketchy. As we said, they were secret recordings. Secret recordings aren't usually obtained in the best of circumstances or in a non-sketchy way. So right after he quit taking these recordings in May of 2010, he actually stopped working as Lillian's butler and immediately, immediately went and had these tapes converted to CD and then handed all of the CDs over to who? Lillian's daughter, Francoise, which, okay, now they might be onto something thinking that the daughter had a motive of her own or maybe she still was just really looking out for her mom and just trying right. to obtain proof of what was going on. Could go either way at this point. 
So the daughter was accused, of course, of paying Pascal to spy on her mom, but she said that wasn't true and she never asked him to make the recordings and that she did not pay him to do so either. Pascal said that he made these recordings on his own accord because he didn't trust the people that Lillian had working for her. So he's also working for her. Take that for what you will. As I, Like I said before, who do you trust in these situations? You know, you have this guy saying, no, I was looking out for her best interest. But then it's like, right. but were you really? Or it's like you can't really tell. The lines are really blurred on who is actually looking out for this woman and who is just trying to get their own piece of the pie here. So either way, the tapes made their way out into the world, of course, via the press, and the Betancourt affair was in the headlines more than ever. But this was still far from being the end of the scandal as a whole. The press found out about something else in Lillian's past that was a much bigger deal than tax evasion, and it was the event that is now known as, as if there could be more, the French Watergate. I do love how we just all will add Watergate to anything yeah. to make it a thing. <laughs> McDonald's Watergate when right. their ice cream is out. <laughs> any kind of scandal of any magnitude, big or small. Exactly. It's always, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Watergate. So no one could have possibly known or expected that Lillian's daughter's criminal complaint about Francois taking advantage of her mom would reveal what it did. However, in light of all the media attention, a former family accountant for the Betancourts named Claire came forward. Claire was one of the staff members who got fired after speaking with Lillian's daughter about Francois's potentially predatory behavior. Claire told the press that Lillian gave a lot of cash to cabinet ministers and also made illegal contributions through the labor minister to Nicolas Sarkozy's 2007 campaign for French presidency. Now, Sarkozy won the election and he denied any wrongdoing, but the public didn't really believe him and he lost his re-election in 2012. They launched an investigation into the illegal campaign donation, but the investigation was closed or dropped about a year later by French magistrates. This whole scandal is way more complicated than what we would ever go into on this show, or I will only speak for myself here, more than I could understand. Same. But it's known <laughs> as the French Watergate, and there's a lot more information out there about Lillian and Sarkozy and all of the illegal things that the two did together. It's the same story we've heard, you know, in the U.S. in our own politics, a rich person pays a politician of their liking to do things the way they want them to do it here. And there's a lot of illegal steps along the way. Bada, bada, bada. And that's where and we are. so it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and so it goes. Tale as old as time. However, we don't know how reliable Claire really is because, as it turned out, her husband was a guy who converted those secret recording tapes from Pascal into CDs. And Lillian's daughter gave Claire an additional $515,000 on top of the $515,000 severance pay that Lillian already gave her. So those severance packages, fire me, Lillian, right. any day of the week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, to anyone paying attention, this looks a lot like Lillian's daughter paid Claire off too, just like they suspected she paid off the butler to do her dirty work. So you can take that information and do with it what you will. But at any rate, after Claire's admission, police found papers in Lillian's notary's safe, which included a will that was made in 2007, naming Francois, the dude, not the daughter, her sole heir. A month later, Lillian actually removed him as the heir because she realized in her words that it was, quote unquote, too much and she'd <laughs> already given a lot to him. Like after the island, you know, after he hate it on your island right. i'd say he didn't even appreciate it <laughs> i know <laughs> give me an island kids these days <laughs> 
But among the secret recordings was a tape that showed Lillian being unable to recall that she had even made him her sole heir to begin with. That's so sad. So a judge finally ruled after this that Lillian had to undergo a mental examination to see if she was making sound and lucid decisions. The results of this test were that Lillian was suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's and that she was in denial about these facts. In light of this diagnosis, in 2011, a judge ruled that Lillian's daughter, Francoise, would become her mother's guardian, thereby putting her in charge of a trust that included Lillian's assets of over 30% of the voting shares of L'Oreal. Lillian's grandson, Jean-Victor, was put in charge of Lillian's health and personal affairs. In 2012, Lillian left L'Oreal's board of directors and was replaced by her grandson, which led some outsiders to believe that the relationship between Lillian and her daughter had improved and that the future of L'Oreal was bright and on the right track. But according to those on the inside, Lillian was kept under constant control and was prohibited from even seeing her closest friends. But when it came to the criminal investigation side of things, that part was rather complicated. There's nothing illegal about being rich and giving away your money and assets, so long as that's really all there is to it. The investigators just had to determine whether or not Lillian was lucid when she was writing these checks or not. Through a painstaking process, a team of medical experts was able to piece together Lillian's records and trace back the beginnings of her forgetfulness to September 2006, after she'd spent some time in the hospital following a fall. From this point on, the investigators focused mostly on the financial decisions that she was making after that time, after 2006. At the end of the investigation, which took years to complete, authorities would bring charges on 10 different people who were believed to have exploited Lillian sometime after September 2006. Of these 10 people, there was Francois Beignier, one of his longtime friends, um, some of Lillian's former wealth managers, and Lillian's former nurse. All 10 of these defendants went to trial in January of 2015, and this trial lasted for five long weeks. There was no jury. This trial was just heard by a panel of judges who then spent a few months making their final decision. The goal of the trial was basically just to figure out the state of Lillian's mind when she made all of these financial decisions in question. And they have to go through literally each one individually and decide right. if she was of sound mind on this day. Was she on the sound? You know, how hard? That would just almost be impossible. How? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So at this time, while they're in the process of doing all of this, she is now 92 years old. She's deaf and she is, again, as we said before, suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. And as a result of all of that, of course, she was of no mind to attend the trial herself. The trial mainly focused on Francois and the financial decisions that Lillian made in regards to him because, of course, I assume because it was the largest amount in question. Right. So the prosecutor said that Lillian was exploited and manipulated like a marionette and that all these defendants in question just took advantage of her old age and her deteriorating mental condition and the fact that she was heavily medicated. They said that Francois in particular imposed his control over Lillian and once he trapped her in his web, he never let her go. Lillian's daughter testified that Francois didn't just want to divide and conquer, he wanted to actually break their family down and conquer. And the defense spun a different story, of course, and said that Lillian was a very confident woman who did what she wanted with her own money. 
Francois defended himself by saying that Lillian just wanted to do things for him and make his life easier and that he even turned down several of her offers, including one to buy him a mansion. But he said that anytime he would turn her down, she would react poorly. So eventually he just let her do what she wanted and give these gifts to him, which also I understand because yep, I totally get it. There is honestly like – and I think we've all been in that kind of a situation where you give something to someone and – it's happened probably to everybody at least one time where they're like, oh, no, I can't take this. But then, like, I don't know. That's always so awkward, right? And so I get it. You know, you don't want to upset the person by, like, saying you don't want to accept their gift. Right. So, I mean, what do you do? And, like, but what do you do when the gifts are islands? You know, that's, like, that's, right. <laughs> that, it's different than just having, like, giving somebody something else of less value than an island. So Francois further admonished these witnesses who claimed that he was up to no good by saying that they were basically just these lowly employees who were jealous and they wanted revenge for this life that they could never have for themselves. You know, they were just upset that they were always working for the rich but never actually being the rich. I was kind of on his side till he started with that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. So on May 18th, 2015, the panel of judges found Francois Bernier guilty of abuse and money laundering. He was given three years in prison, six months of which were suspended. He was ordered to pay 158 million euros or around $173 million in the U.S. in damages, as well as pay a $418,000 fine. Seven other individuals were also convicted and given lesser sentences. These included Lillian's financial advisor, her lawyer, and notary. So where are they now? Lillian actually passed away on September 20th, 2017 at her home in Paris at the age of 94. Francois appealed his sentence and claimed to not have the money to pay the damages, and a second trial was held. In May of 2016, his conviction was upheld, but his prison sentence was suspended and the damages were canceled. Lillian's daughter, Francoise, is now the world's richest woman, and she continues to hold the majority share of L'Oreal. According to Vanity Fair, Francoise always said that her goal was to protect her mother, but what she actually did was, quote, inflict more pain than solace on the mother who had always disparaged her, end quote. A lawyer once involved in the case said, quote, the mother massacred the daughter, then the daughter massacred the mother, end quote. Yikes. Wow. I just don't even know what to think. I mean, I kind of said what I thought a little bit earlier in the episode, but I just don't really know. You know, I feel like I could see it going either way. There was a lot going on. I don't I just don't know though. I don't know. I don't know. I can see how if she loved this life of opulence and money and doing these things, having somebody to do them with would be amazing. If her son or if her husband's like off doing his own thing. Her daughter doesn't want anything to do with it. I see how she's like, I've got all this freaking money, you know. Right. Maybe he'll be my friend. And and they got along great. And he runs in these circles that she would love to run in and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe he did take advantage of her at some point. But I don't I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know um, if you can call it taking advantage of, though. Like, if he actually cared for her, which I think he appeared to actually care for her. Right. You know, he was definitely in her life for a long time. And I feel like 
at some point, and like you said, he had a lot of connections. If he didn't find some value in the relationship he had with her, he could have easily moved on to another person. He had right. He had his way of doing that. And so I, because why would he stick around and just hang out with her like nonstop if he really didn't enjoy something about that? That just doesn't make any right. sense to me. So I just don't know. You know, I don't know. And and if she wanted to give away money like that to him whatever that's as you know as i said if it's if she really was okay with it that's her business who are we to say you know that right but it is wild that it's like oh my gosh this person's giving away so much money something's got to be wrong where of course eventually you know she did have alzheimer's and dementia and um may have needed assistance in making some of these decisions but i do think other people were definitely happy to take advantage of her i don't know that he I don't know how much I believe that he actually did. I think he I think he was her friend. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also feel like I don't necessarily think it's taking advantage of if you enjoy the benefits of a situation that you're in. You know what I'm saying? Right. They like were both using each other. Several people said that. Yeah, I, exactly. I get that. Exactly. So that's my kind of opinion on the whole thing. Yeah, same. But it is interesting that now, you guys, if you learn nothing else from this, you know who the world's richest woman is. And you know how she got there. There you go. All right. You learn something new every week here on Moms and Murder. (laughs) And now now we're going to turn the page and learn some more new things about yummy food. Melissa, we can't go out of here before Thanksgiving without talking about food. My favorite. Let's do it. Yes. So we've been doing the podcast for a few years now, and we've done – we've talked about our favorite Thanksgiving foods that we like personally. We've talked about different things that we've made, whatever the case is. So this year I thought, let's do something a little different. I found some recipes that are really interesting that are Thanksgiving time, and they're from different states. So I'm going to tell you what this is, and you're going to tell me what state you think it came from. And these are all actually really good. Like, I picked some really good ones, so we're going to link all the recipes in the show notes, and you guys can look them up and maybe get some ideas and maybe make one of these for um, Thanksgiving this year because, yeah, there's some really good ideas here. So All right, I'm ready. But you're going to tell me what state you think thought these up. Sure. First one, apple cheddar pie. Apple cheddar pie. Let's go. Oh, I'm actually excited about this. Let's go Kentucky. It is not. It was actually New York, believe it or not. Really? From the Big Apple. Yes. So it oh, seems frick, to me like it's basically <laughs> an apple pie, but there's cheese in the crust. And I am very intrigued. And so if you make apple cheddar pie, if you're up there in New York and you've ever had that, let us know. I've never heard of that, but apparently that is a popular Thanksgiving um, thing to bring. That sounds so good. You know what I've been doing lately? Cutting up apples, putting like Swiss cheese, like the mm. you know the cow cheese, yeah, whatever, with that, and then honey. Mm. I don't oh. know what it is, mm. but that sounds I'm not really pregnant. Good. But yeah, <laughs> sound like I could be. <laughs> that sounds really good. Okay, so this one right here sounds like it might be a little bit of work, but it could be a fun afternoon cooking project if this is your thing or if this is something that um, maybe you're looking for an idea for something to send to people who maybe you won't be able to spend Thanksgiving with this year. So what state do you think came up with the mailable chess pie? I'm going to say Wyoming. Hmm. I wish I could say close, but it's absolutely not close. (laughs) (laughs) South Carolina. Interesting. South Carolina, yeah. So it's super cool. Like I said, you can send this one in the mail for people who won't be with you for the holidays. Like it does seem like a little bit of work because you have to like get certain things together. But I like doing that kind of stuff at the holidays. So maybe if that's your jam, 
you can check that out. We'll have a link to that. Hmm. Okay, so here's one that is for breakfast, maybe for Thanksgiving morning. So what state did pumpkin spice French toast casserole come from? Oh, my gosh. Okay, French toast, a casserole. It's got to be a southern state. Um, Let's go. Don't be too sure about that. Uh, Okay, fine. Let's go. I'm going to go Illinois, even though it's a southern state. Yes, it is Illinois. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Based so, on nothing. <laughs> yeah. So pumpkin spice French toast casserole. It's a assemble the night before, bake it for breakfast the next morning. So that one looks really yummy. Okay. Honestly, I will ride this high for the next few weeks. I cannot believe I got that. Yay. Yes. Okay. Well, I think you're going to get this next one too. I will be – well, I would oh, – Too much pressure. I have faith in you. I think you can get this one. Okay. This one sounds freaking delicious as well. Okay. Brown sugar and pineapple roasted acorn squash. What? It even has no, you lose me at the pomegranate end. seeds on it. It looks delicious. Who would have brown sugar and pineapple roasted anything? Hawaii. Yes, of course. Hawaii. Cool. But it looks acorn delicious. Squash? Yes. It's, yeah, brown sugar no, and pineapple please roasted. Please don't put my savory squash. with my sweet. With mm-hmm. spiced brown butter? Yes, yes, yes. You'll have to check that one out. Thank you, Hawaii, for that idea. Okay. Thank you, Hawaii, for Mandy. You're definitely going to get this one right, too, Melissa. I have faith in you. My gosh. All right. Triple threat potatoes. Idaho. Of course. Idaho. Of course they would have the potato recipe to end all potato recipes. So this is a mini potato stuffed with mashed potatoes topped (gasps) with a fried potato. Stop the madness. They are miniature, little bite-sized, adorable things. Everything you love about every kind of potato it is here in these triple threat potatoes. I think I'm I have to make I'm not kidding you when I tell you my eyes are tearing up. I'm so excited. About it's everything this. you love about potatoes in a little miniature bite. Okay. So you're I'm emotional. I now. really want to try it. <laughs> I told you I found some good ones. Okay. <sighs> I have several more. So we'll just go through them. This is already a long episode. If you don't want to hear more recipes, then you don't have to keep listening. But there yeah. are some really good ones I found. Okay. So the next one is who do you think? is responsible for orange olive oil cake. I'm not happy about this one. <laughs> orange olive oil cake? Um, oh, Florida? Ugh. Yes, Florida. Yeah, so hear me out here. I know. I was a little horrified by the name too, but this is a one bowl, no mixer required taste of Florida. We are lazy. <laughs> we are lazy. All you need is olive oil, eggs, milk, orange zest, and orange juice, some sugar, Grand Marnier, Oh, sure. I'll just get the Grand Marnier. I'm too lazy to mix things together, but I have Grand Marnier just laying around. So, And then you just need the regular baking stuff, flour, baking powder, baking soda, blah, 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 and some confectioner sugar to go on top. So I'm actually intrigued by this. I read the – you know how recipes have blog posts ahead of them nowadays. So I read this blog of this lady and like the way she described the cake and like saying that like it doesn't really taste like olive oil. It's actually very moist, delicious. The olive oil is perfect to replace butter in a cake. I don't know. I'm intrigued. Orange olive oil cake from Florida. So I'm going to check that out. (laughs) Mm -mm. I'd rather us be famous for bath salts. Continue. Okay. Next one. And I want to know if you even know what this is. Probably not. Hot pork roll and cheese dip. Who's who's doing is this? Now this also feels southern. Um Okay, no, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Washington just because you laughed at me whenever I said southern. What no, the heck is this? You are going to be shocked when I tell you. It's called a hot pork roll and cheese dip. And this is from New Jersey. 
No. Mm-mm. Okay. Don't first do of all, things. you might be asking, and I'm going to ask you, what is pork roll? What would you think that is if I said pork roll? What do you think of? Oh, I blocked that out. I blocked the roll and just <laughs> thought pork. I just want to know what I you're picturing. I mean, the little fat around a pig. Okay. So I don't. I want to take that back. That was a terrible <laughs> answer. Wait, I don't know. If I, when I describe this hot pork roll and cheese dip, what are you picturing? What do you think it is? Hot pork roll and cheese. See, I actually thought bread. So I would think like uh, pork with cheese and then you dip your bread. So you think bread. And they just forgot to use commas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, this is not a roll at all. Well, it is, I guess, at one point. So a pork roll is what they call this processed meat product that is commonly available in New Jersey and I guess not anywhere else because I have never heard of this. But it's also known as Taylor ham. And this product is basically just packed minced ham packed into a roll kind of like a bologna before they slice it. Like it just looks I'm like I'm going to cry about this, but for a different reason than the potato one. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess they do that with cheese. But anyway, pork roll is literally referred to in many circles as mystery meat, but apparently it is a big hit in New Jersey. So you know what? Feeling a lot better for about being from Florida now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So yeah, you can keep the hot pork roll and cheese dip and I will keep my olive oil I was told we would enjoy these Mandy yeah well anyway some of them I just had to put in so I put a link in here in case anyone's curious okay so next thing who who thought up who thunk up hazelnut mini cakes Vermont Hmm. it's actually Oregon oh okay did you know their state nut was the hazelnut Mandy I don't know what anyone's state nut is (laughs) nor should I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who knew? Okay. So these are like the perfect little mini Nutella cakes. They're, they look adorable oh, and so fun. okay. But yeah, they're like cute. little homemade, easy to make, allegedly, according to the reviews I read. Um, but then they have this, everything's all like made from scratch though, but you make this like hazelnut chocolate sauce that goes on top of these little mini cakes and they look delicious and perfect. Um, somebody said they were perfect for like holiday picking, you know, little desserts. Okay. And then I have one last one. All right, let's do it. Who do you think has sweet Vidalia onion dip? Georgia. Great guess, but you were wrong. What? This is from Utah. Okay, Utah. So you dip it with a crostini or a toasted baguette. And if you can picture the top of like a bowl of French onion soup, so basically just the cheese and onions and more Mm -hmm. cheese and like some broth and just delicious, that's basically what this looks like. Absolutely heavenly. And then you dip it with a baguette, but it's sweet Vidalia onion dip. So I am (gasps) very intrigued by this one. And I can't wait to check that out. Utah also is responsible for caramel apple Pudding shots. I guess pudding is a big deal in Utah. I didn't know that either. I found that out today. So yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, so they know I don't. Up oh, over there. That's food. a lot going on in that sentence. But um, oh, I'm very excited. I will definitely check out the potato ones after I finish listening to Taylor Swift's re-release and am emotional about that. Then I'll just eat some potatoes. Dry my tears with potatoes. Three different kinds of ways to eat a potato. I didn't know it's you magic. were a Swifty. I'm not a Swifty, but I like pop culture. So I like I've already listened to the 10 minute version of All Too Well. I know her music. I respect it. And I've been listening to Enchanted all week for no reason at all. And my daughter said, please stop. You're worrying me because I had it on so many times. (laughs) So maybe I am a Swifty. I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you just don't know it yet. 
Yeah, I, I guess the first uh, first step is acceptance, and I'm almost there. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that was our episode for this week. It was a little bit of a longer one, but I feel like that's okay. Going into a week off, I always like to leave off for the breaks that we take on a little bit of a lighter episode, so I felt like this was a really good one. And yeah, for definitely sure. Definitely a fascinating story that I did not know anything about, and still so much more that you could learn about this case. Hashtag French Watergate. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great two weeks, and we'll see you back on November 30th. Oh, in the meantime, you can listen to an episode of Criminality. There's new episodes up there, and this week it's about the balloon boy, the hoax that I actually don't believe is a hoax. Yeah. Ooh, I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, guys. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we will see you back in two weeks. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.